Hello, everyone, and welcome to Level the Field Leadership. And today's episode might seem a little morose. So we might be feeling a little bit down whenever we listen to the topic for today, but it is, in fact, a topic that leaders have to deal with on a regular basis at times. And so I think it's an important topic for us to discuss. So our three questions that I want for you to think about as we go into today's episode. Number one, how do you comfort someone when they experience loss? Number two, how do you continue to lead your team when this forced change has been placed upon your team? And number three, what are the words that you say to people on your team when you know that they're experiencing grief? So we'll talk about all of these things and more on Level of Field Leadership. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. My name is Dr. Rachel Gallardo, and I am your host for any and all things leadership. Um, I created this podcast because I really do believe that we all encounter challenges in the work environment. And so hopefully having the tools that we talk about on the show can help you to face those different challenges whenever they come up. I do believe that workplace burnout is very real and anything that we can do to reduce burnout and fatigue in our leadership roles will ultimately have a positive impact on our team, but it will also have a positive impact on us. I do try to post a new episode on the second and fourth Tuesday of the month, so be sure to tune in. If it's not your first episode, then welcome. Thank you for coming back and be sure to just keep subscribing, share it with other people, you know, take a screenshot, put it on your socials, and maybe it'll help somebody else. I do believe that leadership should be a journey that we walk with other people because isolation is never a good thing. Like we all encounter things, we all experience things and just having that sounding board and realizing that other people have been through the same thing can be really reassuring and can really help us get through some challenging times. If you are new, then I'm super happy to have you here. Um, uh, Same thing applies to you. Feel free to share this information with anybody that might help. Um, take what works for you, leave the rest. I'm not saying everything is going to work, but I'm just very happy that you're here and I'm happy that you found the show. And so as you guys know, I do like to base our topic around scripture. And so today's scripture that's just really been on my heart with different things that are going on in my own world is Psalms 147.3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. So let's talk about this idea of loss, because we all, from a leadership standpoint, and remember, you're a leader, no matter what your title is, no matter how big your office is, no matter where you're working from, we are all leaders. And we've all had to experience some sort of loss when it comes to our professional life. So to be, to just be 100% clear, you know, loss can really be a lot of things. It could be something that you had to do. Um, it could be something that was forced on you. And towards the end, we're going to talk about like personal loss, because let's face it, as human beings, eventually we will, we will shake this mortal coal and we will eventually go on and, and, you know, well, we'll let God figure that part out. But anyways, um, we all have to deal with loss. And so whenever I talk about loss, we can look at it from a change management perspective. But knowing that with loss, there's a lot of emotions that can sometimes come with loss. So maybe the the company is in a bad place financially, and there was just a a huge round of layoffs, and now you're left with your team to pick up the pieces. Um, It could be that, you know, something a little bit more close to home, it could be more personal and that somebody on your team has passed away. 
Um, or maybe someone on your team, they lost their mother, they lost their brother, they lost their daughter. And so loss can come in a lot of different contexts. And we're going to break it down in a, in a couple of different ways, because while all of it is various elements of change management, you want to try to approach it a little bit differently, depending upon the situation. So whatever the definition of loss or whatever void your team might be experiencing, at the end of the day, you are still their leader. So they're still looking to you to manage those expectations, to communicate, to set, you know, to set boundaries, to, to provide goals and provide guidance. And, you know, you could be in a season where y'all were running, you know, in a sprint, y'all were just full steam ahead. And maybe because of this change that has happened to your team, maybe we need to slow down a little bit. So maybe, you know, we were, we were sprinting along, we were doing our marathon just great. And maybe we need to pause for a little bit, maybe go to the side, grab some water, some Gatorade, and then we can, we can pick up speed again. So I just, I want for us to, to kind of keep that in mind because change is a very difficult thing for people for a lot of different reasons. And again, whenever you're looking at change and then you add on this emotional component that can come with it, it can be really, really difficult. And we, from a leadership standpoint, we have to be really careful when we're dealing with this issue, because as a leader, you're going to have your own feelings about what has occurred. And we can be transparent as leaders, but we need to not be so emotionally driven and so clouded by our emotions that we're not able to make rational decisions. So we've got to make sure that we don't project our own emotions onto the, the team, onto that individual person. And it's really not fair for the people on your team to carry not only their own emotional weight, but the emotional load that you yourself have as well. So there's got to be that delicate balance of transparency. And if you're like me, I mean, I cry and I'm a crier. I know I hate to admit it, but I, I am a crier. And so if something has truly upset me, I'm not going to just ball and sob end over end over end. But if I happen to go to the bathroom and, you know, it, you know, shed my tears or whatever, and I come out and somebody notices like, Hey, Rachel, I noticed that your eyes are red. Is everything okay? Then at that moment, it's okay for me to say, you know, I'm, I'm just not really in a good place. I'll be all right. You know, if you're comfortable sharing, then so be it. But, you know, your team should see that you're not emotionless. Like we're not robots. We're, we're going to be impacted whenever things happen, but from a leadership standpoint, how do you navigate those waters? So let me back up for just a little bit. In 1969, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross depicted the five stages of grief, and you probably are very familiar with these. It's, it's something that people talk about all the time whenever there's any sort of um, personal loss that people experience, and so those five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so basically, whenever somebody experiences some sort of loss, the first thing they're like, oh, no, there's there's no way that that happened. And then they may become angry that it happened. And then maybe it's a, well, if only I thought, if only I had done this, or if I had maybe said that, or maybe if I had, you know, done this, that, or the other, um, then that wouldn't have occurred. And then people will go to depression and acceptance. And the thing is, when you're looking at these five different stages, they're not linear. So somebody could be in denial and then go to depression and then go to anger and then go back to depression and then go back to denial before they finally ever get to acceptance. Or, I mean, it, it can really and truly be any number of things. And there's no set time period that somebody could sit. Somebody could sit in anger for five, 10 years before they ever get past it. And quite frankly, some people never get past it. So human beings are very complicated, very complex individuals with multiple layers to their emotional shell. But just being mindful of these five different stages, you can identify where your employees are at 
when they're having conversations with you, when they're talking about different things. So that way you can meet your employee where they are. It's also helpful too for you to recognize where you're at in this process too. So if I know that I'm in an anger state about a particular situation, that is not the best time for me to be making decisions. That is when I need my response and email needs to be, can you give me a day or so to think about it? Because I need to have time for my emotions to kind of simmer down, you know, for me to turn the heat off of the, the boiling pot. So that way I can really and truly see what is happening. And then I can hopefully make the best decision at that point. So just, just keep those things in mind. Um, the bottom line though, is that, you know, loss on your team is very, very similar to implementing other types of change management that might occur. The thing is, you're just dealing with it from not having a person that is on your team as well. So again, I just, I can't, I can't beat this enough that communication and transparency are key to helping people through each stage of loss and ultimately helping them to get to the other side of the change that has occurred. So whenever we talk about loss, we're going to look at it in three different ways. And I really want for you to keep this Kubler-Ross paradigm in your mind. Um, and if we can understand what stage someone is in, again, we can be in a better place to help them. Okay. So hopefully I've made all of that abundantly clear and I've kind of given us a nice foundation where we can then build our different, our three different loss um, scenarios in play. So first and foremost, right out of the gate, let's just talk about it. Termination. So let's say you as a leader, you had to do a termination on someone, you know, you did the write-ups, you completed the performance improvement plans, and you finally, you're like, okay, that's it. You've, you've done this thing that I've, I've told you that can't be done because it violates policy or it violates, you know, company protocol. And finally, you as a leader, you had to let him go. You talked to HR, you, you, you know, you said all the things, everybody signed everything, they received their severance, et cetera, et cetera. And you as the leader, you might feel elated, like ding dong, that fool is gone. Like you could just be super, super excited that you no longer have to deal with this monkey on your back anymore. Huge burden lifted. Congratulations. It's over. But we need to remember that others on our team may not necessarily feel that way. They may not know everything that you went through, nor should they have known. So they, they might be able to see that, okay, I can tell that Rachel is, is working on this because, you know, whoever's behavior is just a little bit different, but, um, you know, they, they could still be friends with this person. You know, maybe they're related to it. Maybe you don't have that, those policies in your work environment where relatives can't work on the same team. And so it could very well be that the people that remain on your team are still going to see this person at, you know, family functions. And so you have to be careful that you don't let people know what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, we're always, always, when we're dealing with terminations, when we're dealing with employee relations issues, we're addressing the behavior of the person, not attacking the person. But quite frankly, when they find out that, you know, this individual that you terminated is no longer in the team, they could very well have negative emotions. And so, they could be happy, but not quite like happy that they don't have to deal with this person anymore because it's not fair that he's having to, you know, get away with his performance and yet they're being held accountable. But ultimately, it, they're still looking to you to be the leader. And so what are you going to say whenever you let your team know that this person is no longer here? And I'm, I'm tired of trying to dance around from a name standpoint. So let's just call this person David, just because that's an easy name to remember. So what we're going to do is we're going to, if everybody is remote, then we're going to send out an email, letting people know that David is no longer there. Um, if everybody is in 
you know, working on the same location, then we're going to call a, you know, mandatory meeting the next 30 minutes. We need to all have a conversation and let people know that, you know, David is no longer a part of the team. You can explain in very vague terms that the individual failed to meet company policy, failed to follow guidelines as outlined, and despite numerous warnings and numerous conversations that they were let go, and, you know, offer to talk with employees that maybe have questions, and you shouldn't go into blasphemous details, like that's just wrong, you shouldn't talk badly about people, um, but you can answer certain things, you know, you want to be really mindful about what you say. Most of the time, whenever people come to you, if somebody's been terminated, it's just strictly to vent. And there's nothing wrong with people coming to you and saying, you know what, Rachel, I just need to vent. I don't need you to do anything. I just need to vent and let them go. And it's okay for there to be a period of time for this to occur. But after that period of time, and that's going to look different for each, each leader. So I don't want to say that, okay, after 48 hours, we're done. Um, but after a period of time, then we need to start looking at these individuals and say, look, I hear what you're saying, and I can see that you're still really upset, but unfortunately, we do need to move forward. How can I help you move forward? And offering to be that support for that person so they can kind of get over that mental hump of what's just occurred can be really, really helpful. Um, before you do the termination, remember that a lot of people may have a strong connection with their job as well, not just financially, but it could be a key component of who they are as a person. So now I'm kind of, I'm kind of, um, you know, taking David's side at this point, you know, maybe this is what he's worked towards his entire career. And this is the only career that he's ever known. And so having a job, it, it does in a lot of ways, give people a purpose. It does give people a certain amount of structure for their day. And it's a chance to interact with other people. Um, and it kind of nurtures that human desire for people interaction. So at the same time, if you have if, if you have told this person, though, that they needed to stop doing X, Y, Z at the organization. And like I said, if you have filled out the paperwork and you followed policy and you've consulted HR and you guys, you've just you've done everything that you possibly can. I really do believe that people get to a certain point where they terminate themselves when they refuse to do what the policy says for them to do, what they refuse to do, what their job outlines are. And so we as leaders, we shouldn't feel guilty for holding people accountable because, I mean, you're holding them accountable to do their work every day. And if you're not holding them accountable, that's just, that's going to make everything on the team that much worse. So when you're going into these termination situations, be mindful of the person you are terminating but then also be mindful of the effects that that's going to have on um, people on your team. Now, on the other, the other kind of side of terminations, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with poor work performance, but maybe it's, it's a, a mass round of layoffs. So, you know, in, in the IO world, we call them rifts or reduction in force. Um, but if the company does have a big round of layoffs, because for whatever reason, operationally, they can't support all of these people, then from an IO standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, you are going to have people that remain on your team that are going to have so much guilt. So there's research I found. It's by Grunberg, Anderson, Conley, and Greenberg. Uh, Grunberg and Greenberg. I'm just noticing that about the research. Anyways, in 2000, it says that employees who survive a layoff tend to be less productive, less trusting of the organization and supervisors, more angry and anxious about their futures, and more likely to suffer from low morale and low job satisfaction. Well, that sounds like a great environment to be in, huh? Here you go, leader. Here's a, a group of people that don't trust the organization, don't trust you, they're angry and anxious, and they're going to have low job morale, and they're not going to want to do their job at all. Yeah, it's going to 
going to be great. And then if you add do this, if you are the leader um, and you don't think that the layoffs that occurred were fair, maybe you didn't even get any kind of say so about who was let go. It was just kind of a, well, we're going to rank file everybody. And OK, if you're below this point, then you're gone. You know, if if you don't agree with how the layoffs are handled, then your behavior is also going to shift. And this perception of injustice is going to magnify their perspective of what has gone on. And it, it, it makes everything that much worse. So in other words, if you don't agree with the riff or the downsizing, or they call it the right sizing or whatever the company wants to call it to make themselves feel better, your behavior is going to contribute to the negative feelings that your employees will have. So you're going to end up adding fuel to the fire. And I, I did in my HR career, I had to go through a few issues of layoffs for a particular organization I worked at that will rename nameless. So that way, you know, we protect the innocent. And it was October, the, you know, we had done everything that we possibly could. And ultimately we were going to have to file for bankruptcy. And so the CEO at the time, he got up there and he had to tell all of the, the people that were part of the organization there in our corporate office, we probably had about 500 that were there. And then we had, um, we had employees that were out of state and other locations that were streaming in and they were listening in on the, the conference call phone. You know, this was back before we really had Zoom in place. So we had the big conference phone with the bright red bulbs to let people know that, you know, people were on the line. And so, you know, he got up there and um, his background was more from a military standpoint, and so he was very direct, and we couldn't finish the mission, and we used all the tools in the war chest, and, the, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not landing well for all of our healthcare individuals, and so um, he called me up there because I was the HR director and pretty much said, okay, well, you know, our HR director, she's going to let you know about your benefits in 401k and then stepped off the stage. And, you know, me, I'm in my, my mid twenties, terrified out of my mind, have no idea how I'm going to address these people. And while he was speaking, I could just tell that everyone, you, the color was like literally draining from their faces. I mean, here we are in October, we've got Christmas in a couple of months, people are already panicking. I could just, I could see it. I could read their minds. And so I get up there and mind you, before we had this meeting, I went to the bathroom and I just had to pray. I mean, the number of times that I have said a prayer in a bathroom stall, I can't even tell you, but I was like, okay, God, I have no idea what to say to these individuals. Please give me the words because I, I'm, I'm just as terrified. I mean, I'm scared too. What am I going to do? I'm in the middle of building a house. I'm in the middle of moving. You know, I'm still trying to go to school to finish my degree. And now you're, you're dropping this bombshell on me. Like, oh my gosh. And so I get up on the stage and I start, I look at everybody and the very first words that come out of my mouth, y'all, I can't even tell you where this came from, but I just looked around the room and I said, okay, I'm going to need everybody to take a big, deep breath. And you just, you saw people kind of like jerk out, like they kind of snapped out of it. And I said, I don't think y'all heard me. I said, everybody take a deep breath. And I literally led them through a breathing exercise of breathing in and breathing out. And then we breathed in again, and then we breathed out again. And then I said, okay, let's talk about your benefits. And so it's amazing to me, the number of people that came up to me afterwards, and I got emails and I got phone calls that said, Rachel, thank you so much for telling me to breathe. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even realize that I wasn't breathing until you told me to breathe. And so there, I did that because looking back on it, number one, I totally think it was God's words coming out of my mouth, not mine. But if we don't have oxygen going to our brains, we're not going to be able to process what's happening. So just simply having people take deep breaths, take a moment to focus on their breath and kind of snap them out of that negative spiral, you know, hole that they were going in. 
it, it really made a big difference. And so we were able to offer, you know, resume writing um, sessions. We did cover letter sessions. I did mock interviews for people. You know, I wrote letters of recommendation. I had to also liquidate 401ks. I've completed unemployment claims. Like there was a lot of things that were, that were going on, but I, the main point is that it's important to let people know that they are still valued as people. Like just because they don't get the opportunity to continue working for the organization, their KSAs, their knowledge, their skills, their abilities can be just as valuable somewhere else. And so I was more than happy and we had a really great team that supported that, um, you know, more than happy to, to help these individuals get to whatever that next step was. So maybe it's a chance for them to go back to school. Maybe it's finally time that they made that cross-country move to be closer to family. I don't know what that was. Only the employee knew what that was. But I wanted to make sure that the employee felt supported and that they still felt valued as a human being. You know, and, and here we, I don't want to get too much darker than this, but, you know, workplace violence is really real. Um, the last thing you want at your organization is an angry, terminated employee showing up to work on Monday with the intent to do harm to other people. So if you absolutely have to do a layoff or if you're having to do a full reduction in force, do it on a Monday through Thursday. So that way they have at least one business day to do what they can do on their end. So you go contact their COBRA, you know, file for unemployment, you know, meet with somebody for coffees to, to talk about, you know, networking and things like that. This time can be really, really valuable. So never do a termination on a Friday. That's just, that's not okay. Um, if you do have to send somebody home, then you can say, look, we're having to suspend you with pay, but we want for you to come back on, you know, Tuesday and we'll talk about the issue further. So just, just keep all of those things in mind whenever you're dealing with terminations, when you're dealing with layoffs, um, it, as a leader, we want to make sure that these individuals still feel supported when we're, we're doing RIFs and knowing that the employee still has resources through you can be really, really valuable. Okay. So Terminations, that's the first type of loss that we're talking about. Second type of loss, death on your team. So there are some terminations that we're going to still be able to stay in touch with the person on LinkedIn. Maybe we can still meet them for coffee. And, you know, we may even run into them at, you know, the next conference that we go to. But there are some terminations that are a lot more permanent. And, you know, perhaps somebody on your team has passed away. Maybe, it, maybe it's something that we were all aware of you know, so-and-so has been dealing with cancer or, you know, has had really bad health issues, but it could also be, you know, they got into a car accident on the way home. And I'm not going to even associate names with this because, you know, I don't even, I don't even want to think about losing anybody on my team, but um, death and grief that come with it are very different for each person. So just like I talked about before, when we're dealing with terminations, all of that definitely applies when we're talking about the loss of somebody on our team. You know, some people are going to want to cry and they're going to talk about it. Others are not going to want to say a word and they're going to carry on with their life. There's no one way that somebody should react. There are no rules. There's no timeline for getting over the death of a coworker. But from a leadership perspective, we need to remember to have a listening ears when our employees want to speak about that person. So when somebody brings their name up, you know, it, it's important for us to, to put our to-do list aside and just take a few moments to let that person kind of reflect on a happy memory or man, so-and-so is really good at, at this part of it. We're really going to miss her. You know, maybe it's a good thing for, you know, everybody to come together in the conference room to have like a celebration of life one morning. 
Um, maybe, maybe the team can get together to like plant a tree in the person's memory on the property. So that way, you know, on breaks or whatever, people can go and maybe sit under the tree or whatever. I, I can't say what the right thing is for your team to do. I'm just throwing out some ideas, but for those that want to take time and, and they want to participate in that public process, then, then we should let them. Um, and if you find out the news during the workday, then calling a meeting, let everybody know about it at the same time can be very, very um, helpful. And after you deliver that information, then as a leader, give people the, the flexibility and let them know, like, look, I know that we've all heard some really bad news right now. If anybody wants to leave for the rest of the day, I, I completely understand. But as a leader, you should have the, the, that discernment to kind of recognize how the information is landing on your team so you can help them, you know, have the EAP information available. So that way, if somebody wants to talk to a medical professional about their grief, then they can. Um, but you as a leader, you're helping to navigate those emotions with your team and navigate your own emotions as well. Um, it's okay, again, for your team to see that you are upset that somebody has passed. And doing so gives other people the freedom to, to open up about their grief as well. Um, and eventually, the time is going to come when, you know, we need to post the position. And that can be really, really hard. Um, after all, I mean, that person has left a vacancy and operations need to continue, but you don't want to appear insensitive or dismissive of the fact that somebody has literally died. Um, I do not recommend that you do this right away. So this is not something where you find out the news on Monday and then by Tuesday, the job posting is up. That's just tacky. You want to give time for your team to heal and then post a position and recruit for it accordingly. And I'll tell you right now, it's going to feel weird. I've had to do this before. It's very, very weird. And you're going to feel like you're just dismissing the fact that this person is gone. But I want you to know that that is normal. Um, you know, maybe the loss is a chance for you to look at what everybody on your team is doing, maybe do a job analysis and kind of restructure some things. Maybe you reassign a couple of things to people. Um, and maybe whenever you do this job analysis, you'll realize, oh, well, maybe I don't need to backfill the role. Not that you're trying to avoid doing it, but from an operation standpoint, if it just makes sense not to fill the position, then don't fill the position. I mean, like I said, I don't know what your situation is, but when and if the time comes for you to interview for the position, be sure that you are asking standardized questions throughout your interview and look at the candidate as a standalone individual. I mean, we already have to be really mindful of bias whenever we're interviewing candidates. This is definitely an area where we can get into a position where we compare the candidate to the deceased employee, and that is a thousand percent not fair to the candidates that we're interviewing. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Should you have somebody that passes away on your team, um, it can be a really turbulent time. Like I said, when you're running a marathon, this is definitely the time when you want to, to slow down, go to a walking pace, grab the Gatorade that the little volunteer is giving to you, drink that Gatorade until you really feel it go down and you really feel yourself is in a better place to start running again. So hopefully, hopefully that makes sense. So first type of loss, terminations. Second type of loss, somebody on your team has passed away. And the last type of loss that I just want to touch base on before we wrap things up is if somebody on your team has lost somebody close to them. So maybe they've lost a father, maybe they've lost their brother, maybe they've lost, you know, a, a, some sort of, you know, their aunt, maybe like a really, really close relative. From a leadership standpoint, first and foremost, be kind. 
when I have people who tell me that, you know, something like this has occurred in their life, whenever they've lost somebody that is, that they just love so much and is just an integral part of their life. My very first instinct is how do we get you out of the building so you can deal with this instead of worrying about your job? Like turn off your phone, don't respond to emails. Like how do we get you disconnected as much as we possibly can so you can deal with whatever, whatever you need to take care of now that this person has gone. I mean, like I literally will turn into a SEAL team member trying to get a hostage out of a communist country and take back to America, which shout out to all of our service members, you know, especially, you know, any, anybody that does anything for this country, I'm super grateful. So please don't think that I, I use that scenario lightly, but like I, that's kind of how my mindset is like, okay, how do I get you out of the building so you can go and take care of this? Um, and I love whenever people say, oh, I keep my work, my personal life separate. No, you don't. You absolutely do not. They are interconnected because if you've got something going on at home, you are thinking about it at work. And if you've got something going on at work and you're stressed out about it, you are thinking about it at home. So when you add grief on top of all of this, the person is going to likely experience issues with memory. They're probably going to have mood swings. They're going to, you're going to see that they're going to feel kind of disconnected. They may even start to question, why am I doing this job? Why am I working in this profession? You know, we all kind of have those seasons of, huh, what is my purpose? Now that I've had this major catalyst event occur in my life, what is it that I want to do? Um, We need to give people the space to go through all of those things, okay? Whenever I lost my first husband and I was working, um, I literally saw an email that came out from same CEO, the same, the same guy that was, you know, the war chest, the mission, that guy, he literally sent out an email that in so many words says that we need to cease and desist all communications to Rachel. And I had to laugh a little bit because me, I'm the type of person that if something is going on, I just want to bury myself in work. But whenever all of the emails stopped and he would never admit it, but I think he cut off my email just so that way I couldn't go in and do anything. Um, it really and truly was helpful because then I could just focus on what I needed to focus on, take one things at a time. I, I like to try to multitask, even though I'm a terrible multitasker. And whenever somebody is dealing with personal loss, the last thing that they should be having to multitask is stuff with work. So, um, I just, I didn't, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. And so I really try to, to give that to other people if I'm in a position where I can do so. And then when the employee does return back to work, try to keep in mind what is going on with them. You know, that's the thing about grief too. The rest of the world just kind of seems to move on. And meanwhile, you're like, okay, but I, I, I just buried my dad and all of you are just walking around like nothing is wrong. How come all of you are walking around like nothing is wrong? Like it can be, it can be really, really hard. And for those of you that have lost people, your loved ones, like you fully understand what I'm talking about. Um, memory issues are still going to be an issue. You know, detachment may still be there. Disengagement might still be there. They want, maybe, maybe they just want to be left alone. You know, maybe this is a season where you tell them, look, you know, I understand that you want to come back to work, but maybe you just work from home for the next two weeks. And then we can see where you're at after that. Um, just, just do things that really support them as best as you can. Um, if I find out when that person's birthday was, then I'll make a note of that in my calendar because the year of first are the worst, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the first father's day, like all of those are just, they just suck. But, you know, having me having that note kind of in my outlook of, 
oh, it was her dad's birthday in, you know, July 17th or whatever. And then I can just send her a quick message. Like, look, I know today's a hard day. I know it was your dad's birthday, but I'm here for you. You know, if you need anything, please let me know. And just try to encourage those stories um, to make them smile. And even if they do start crying, then it's kind of a, a laughter through tears situation that can hopefully help them to feel better. So kind of went long on this episode, but I think that it's an important thing. I mean, anytime you're dealing with any kind of emotional grief or loss, it, it, it takes, it takes some time to kind of navigate through those waters. And so, you know, loss in any form really and truly is challenging and it's hard on the leader. It's hard on the rest of the team. And so navigating it can be really difficult. And like I said, the rest of the world is going to march on, like nothing is wrong. But you and your team are going to be at different stages of grief and learning to heal from whatever changes have occurred. So the best thing that you as their leader can do in this situation is to listen whenever people want to talk and to give them an outlet to vent and just say, what can I do to help you in the situation? Like that is that is the most reassuring phrase that you can ask. If you don't don't say anything else, just say, what can I do to help you in this situation? Um, most of the time they're just going to say, well, nothing. And they just simply wanted you to listen. And that's great. But many people, um, just want to know that they have a safe place to be able to land should they need to. And, you know, while, while this whole change is, is going on that you're still there to be the, the steady person that you as their leader are. So if you liked what you heard, then hit the subscribe button to receive new content. You can find this content wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice. Share it with another person in your circle who wants to improve their leadership. Like I said, take a screenshot, tag me in the screenshot, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. All of that is in the show notes. Um, I, I do try to post positive and consistent content based on leadership. So that way, if you happen to be scrolling through, you know, you can see something like, mm, that's a little nugget. That's a little snack for me to be able to, to take for the rest of my day. So just remember you are made to be a leader right where you are. And hopefully this podcast has helped you to level the field of challenges you face while you walk the journey of leadership. Take care of yourself. Take care of your team. You can 1000% do this. And until next time.